0: It's time for a realignment, says the Lord, a readjustment. It's time to stop just spouting off the religious things you hear other people say and filling yourself with emptiness and, and not being able to minister to other people because you're not operating under me. The Lord says it's time to come into that secret place with me and to get your, your word from me and from my word. And from my spirit. And it's time to readjust yourself and realign yourself, says the Lord. The Lord says, now is the time to fall on your face and seek me like never before. Now is the time to cry out to me in repentance. God says, now is the time. I
1: feel like um, there's people whose faith is low. And the Lord wants to increase that. And he says, all you have to do is ask me, seek my face, and I'll increase your faith.
0: The Lord says <clears throat> to be careful what you're looking at. Look, pay attention to what you're looking at. Pay attention to what you're listening to. He says the, un- the Bible says in the Old Testament, do not call clean something that's unclean, and don't call something unclean that's clean. Do not call something holy that's unholy, and do not call something unholy holy. He says, the unclean things that you look at will make you twisted. He said, but the clean things will make you pure. The unholy things will defile you, but the holy things will actually make you whole. Yes,
1: amen. <clears throat> I actually have on two words. It been a tug on somebody hard in him, and the father says, it's "Your time. He calling you out from the world to become his." And the father told me to tell. He said, "Tell my people that this church is due for a financial reprieve."
0: Um, any member of the congregation, if you feel like you have a word tonight, just write it down and give it to me after church. Susan. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: We have Dr. Ted Davis with us tonight and his wife, the high prophetess, Jody Davis. Do you have a word? Do you have something? Come on. Come on. You can come on, Dr. Davis. Come on, y'all. I sure do.
0: You know, um, the word testimony means he'll do it again. And tonight I have a testimony. Um, Four years ago, I was in a car accident, and it crushed my ankles, and it broke my legs. And the the legs healed up, but the ankles never healed correctly. I couldn't walk very long. I couldn't stand very long. And um, last night, uh, Pastor Richard and Pastor Gail and... and, um, Sarah and Pam prayed over my my feet. And my feet used to turn. This one would turn this way. And last night, even last night, it started healing. And I was in pain all the time. And the pain started leaving. And today I was walking up the road, and I felt the foot start turning. And tonight, I could have started dancing, but I haven't received my balance yet. So I would dance, and I'd fall forward. But it's coming. It's coming, and I'm going to dance before the Lord. As I prayed about coming down here, um, the Lord just gave me something to give to everybody. And as soon as I started praying about coming down here, the Lord took me back to um, an experience I had years ago. And I had been slain in the spirit, and immediately and I was in heaven with the Lord. And I was in a ballroom, and it was a magnificent ballroom, but there were no walls and there was no ceiling. It was, it was opened. It was opened into the galaxies, and, and I looked, and I was dancing with the Lord, and I had on this pure white glistening dress, and, and it was sparkling, and I happened to look my dress, and I looked up, and I was looking into the king of king's face, and, as, and I, I was just, I was in awe, and he had this kingly, this kingly attire on, and it was so regal. And we were dancing, and we went around the the ballroom, and we were dancing. And my heart was pounding unbelievably because I was so in awe of who I was with. And it was pounding. And as I calmed down, as we danced around that dance floor, it started calming down. And I started feeling his heart beat against me. And in time, my heart started beating along with his and they were in unison, and all at once we came together, and I went into him, and it exploded, and there was so much joy and so much excitement. I didn't know what to do with myself, and I wanted to say, Lord, you fast dance, and all at once I looked, and he was in a tunic, and he was coming down. He was coming up, and he was twirling, and he gave out a shout, and this laughter exploded, and it consumed the entire galaxy. The joy and the laughter consumed, and it was vibrating, and it was it's something I'll never forget. It is still real. The breath of life, the life is still in that, that, that vision, that account with him. And as I prayed over coming down here, the Lord flashed this sign, and it said joy. And it was the old Christmas J, big J-O-Y, and big letters, and it had twirls in it, it glistened, and I was like, how tacky, how gaudy, but it was so much fun. And when I walked into Revolution Church, one of the first people I met was Joy, and I thought, thank you, Lord, it was a confirmation. And um, as I studied this week, it was Second Samuel, and David was bringing the ark up from Obed. I never say it, Obed-Edom. He was bringing the ark up. And it said, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. The adjective for, for before the Lord is with. David danced with the Lord with all his might. And that word dance was was the dance that twirled, and it was a dance the children practiced to worship before the Lord. And they would twirl, and they would laugh, and they would giggle, and they would dance before the Lord. And that was the, the dance David was dancing before the Lord. A childlike dance, and he was dancing with the Lord. And it said Michael looked out, and she saw him in his tunic, and she saw him dancing like a child because that was her husband She thought he was shaming himself. He was the king of Israel dancing before the Lord with all his might. And he was twirling and he was shouting and he was leaping and he was laughing with the Lord. And he said to Michael, he said, Michael, he said, God called me. My Lord called me before your father. He called me to celebrate. And I will celebrate even more. The word celebrate means to play. He was playing with the Lord. He was dancing. The Lord was dancing, and they were playing, and they were giggling, and they were laughing. And this morning when I woke up, the Lord said to my heart, he said, Jody, I love it. I love it. I'm so pleased when my children dance before me. But my heart's desire is for my children to dance with me. Amen.
1: Amen. God, I gotta follow that, you know. Just do best you can. That's about all I can do. do the can. Praise That's the, the best Lord, best. God, Amen. Let's uh, let's, wh- Where's your sound guy? I need to. Oh, can you turn that down a little bit, Mike? Just a wee little bit, please. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord, God. We were with the saints this morning at Love Revolution Church. Dynamic, dynamic, I love those people, glory to God, I love you guys, man, it's so good to be here, has been a year since we've been here, yeah, that's too long, too long, yeah. praise the Lord God. As I said last time we were here, um, officially the family would like to thank you for being nice to Kimberly. Uh, <laughs> It doesn't happen that often. They're, they're appreciative. They really appreciate it. <laughs> Let's uh, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4 and Matthew 13, if you would. Mark chapter 4, Matthew 13. Get on your phones, your tablets, your Bible. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for what you've given me, and I pray that you help me to articulate it. Help me get it to the outside. Lord, you gave me revelation. So, Father, I pray that you'll help me to turn that revelation into words and then turn those words back into revelation. So, Father God, help us to understand what you're saying to us in this time and season of the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen amen. Look here at uh, Mark chapter 4. This is something very important for us. Verse number 11. And Jesus was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are on the outside get everything in parables. Right. Here's what he was saying. If you're not born again, if you're not spirit-filled, you don't understand what's going on. You can't understand these, these parables that Jesus taught. As, as we spoke about at Love Revolution this morning, there are two realms There's the realm behind the cloud of God's glory, the kingdom of God, and then there's the realm of the earth. And the realm of the earth thinks the Bible's full of cute stories. (laughs) They don't believe it, but they'll quote it. They'll use it for analogies. It's just a book of parables. But Jesus said, I'm teaching these parables so that you of the kingdom would know what's going on, that you wouldn't be ignorant. That you could be aware, that you could be informed. So that's the law of parables. So turn over to uh, Matthew 13, if you would. I wanna look at a parable that Jesus taught concerning the church in the last days. I personally believe we're in the last days, whether that takes a long time or a short time, we're coming in, we're in the last days of the church. And Jesus teaches a parable to the disciples. Here's what he says in Matthew 13, verse 24. Jesus presented another parable to them saying, now remember the rules of parables. If you're outside the church, it's just a story. But if you're inside the church, you're to learn from this. You're to understand. You're to gain knowledge, you see. So he said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, that's the leaders, while the leaders was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also, and the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your fields? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The slave said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? And he said, no. He said, for while you're gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And then in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn." Now this is one of the parables that we don't have to wonder what it meant because the disciples came to him privately and they said, tell us about this parable. So look over here at verse number 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man and the field is the world. And as far as the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. And the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. So just as the tares gathered up and burned in fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send forth his angels and they'll gather out of the kingdom all the stumbling blocks, all those who commit lawlessness. And will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, they need to hear this. So the, the parable of the tares has little revelational value unless you understand what the tares are. It's, uh, they called it darnell. We would call it ryegrass. Remember ryegrass when your kid looked like wheat? Yeah. But but it wasn't wheat. Now, here's the difference. Even though if, if you plant a, a, a kernel of wheat and a kernel of ryegrass in the ground side by side, they both grow at the same rate at the same time and they come to maturity at the same time. Now, the fruit of the, the ryegrass will be smaller and the plant will be smaller, but it will come to fruition at the same time. Here's the biggest difference. If you eat ryegrass, it will poison you. You see? Now watch this. Wheat and tares look so much alike. Tares can easily be mistaken for wheat and consumed. Now I love the gifts of the Spirit. I pray in tongues. I speak in tongues. I sing in tongues badly. Badly. (laughs) Badly. And I like to shout and I like to dance. But we were saying at lunch today, there is absolutely only one thing in all creation that will ever prove that you and I are born again. And Samuel told Saul in 1 Samuel 10, verse number 6, he said, you'll meet prophets. The Holy Ghost will come upon you and you'll be turned in to a different man. It's the only proof of being born again is you'll be changed into another man. Here's what we're seeing in our day. There's a message of deceit that's being sown in the church, and it sounds like the church. That's right. But it's not the church, and those who consume it are being poisoned. It tells the sinner, you're not really a sinner. you just have challenges. It says, Jesus just wants you to be happy just the way you are, you precious little thing. Hmm. And if you want to keep living in sin, God made you that way and he understands you. Somebody said the other day, I was born this way. I found a good answer. That's why you have to be born again. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Jody and I were at the mall. You'd be proud of her, Kimberly. She just got inducted into the MasterCard Hall of Fame. Yeah. So <laughs> but we were at the mall and we stopped at the food court, and there's this young man with a, a a church t-shirt on, and and I like to hear what they have to say, you know, and so a real engaging young man. I told him I liked his t-shirt and and he's smiling, he's talking to me. So I asked him about his church. I said, he said, I got an awesome church, awesome pastor. He said, He's just so good. And uh, so I said, so, so what are you learning these days? He said, the pastor's teaching me that I am the most important thing in the universe. <laughs> and that his sole purpose for my life is that I have joy, <laughs> that I'm happy. He, said, he went on to say, he said, I'm, I'm going to quit this job because this job doesn't give me joy. And then he went on to say, I'm going to leave my wife. No no joy there. Nope. Can't, if you can't have joy, Jesus don't want me to have it. The problem is, is it sounded like the church. But it wasn't the church. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson, prophet. He went to... Uh, some of you probably heard that on on YouTube, but He uh, he went to a church recently a, a big mega church And the pastor told him he said now here's the rule. He said we don't use the word sin in my church You can use the word challenge or problem But you cannot use the word sin here anymore because the people find it offensive and they won't come back is a You know what? The gospel is offensive. Amen? It sure is. See, it sounds like the church. But if you consume it, it'll poison you. Go over to uh, 2 Kings. uh, 2 Kings chapter number 4. Let me show you something here. 2 Kings 4. Here's an Old Testament picture of what happens when tares and wheat is mixed in the same spiritual body. um, 2 Kings 4, verse number 38. When Elisha returned from Gilgal, there was a famine in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said to his servant, Put on a large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. Then one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered his lap full of wild gourds and came in and sliced them into the pot of stew. For they did not know what they were. So they poured it out for the men to eat. And as the men were eating the stew, they cried out and said, O man of God, there is death in the pot. And they were unable to eat. But he said, now bring meal or bring flour made out of wheat. And he threw it into the pot and said, pour it out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Now, Elisha had just, by by the time we get to chapter 4 of 2 Kings, Elisha had just returned back to Gilgal to the school of the prophets. In chapter 2 is where he began to follow Elijah to the four stops before Elijah was taken up by the Lord, and his mantle was thrown down, and Elisha picked up the mantle of Elijah, which is a picture of Christ and the church picking up the mantle of Christ. But here's the first thing that Elisha did, Pastor. He returned to the place he started with his master to show the sons of the prophet that his message would be the same as his master's message. No changes in the message. Hmm. So Elisha returns to Gilgal to establish the fact that that he was under servitude to his master. And says there was a famine in the land. And we know there is a famine in this land of scripture. And they were putting everything into a pot. And the church is the vessel that the world is to feed out of. Everything that goes into that pot we give back out. To the church, and then somebody from the group introduced a wild gourd. And they had false teaching in the church, and therefore false teaching from the church back out to the world. Now, remember the parable Jesus said the enemy would come in and sow tares in among the real wheat. here's why your pastor is so tough on you at times if leadership allows the false stuff to come in even just a little bit as the church grows he's going to have to support the false doctrine to keep the people and that's why he is so tough sometimes you see in the In the days of Jesus, Israel believed that the boundary around Israel and and the land inside that boundary was so absolutely sacred that if you stepped outside the boundary and there was dust on your shoes and you brought it back inside the boundary, you contaminated the land where you worked. Because the land was so holy and sacred in Israel, in the kingdom, that the very dust from the outside would contaminate. And here's the thing they did. In the days of Jesus, tradesmen would go out of Israel and they they would trade their wares. And when they came back in, watch, they were to shake the dust from their shoes. And if they were caught coming in, bringing the dust from out there into here, they were sent out to shake and clean their shoes. Take the dust. Even the very dust from out there would pollute the kingdom. So Jesus said this to the disciples. He said, when you go out and you tell them about me, don't bring their arguments back in here. That's right. Shake the dust of that world off of your shoes before you come back in here. Because this is sacred in here. You see? Coming back in here and saying, you know, major mainline church denomination, one of the biggest in the world, just voted on whether or not to ordain homosexuals. Somebody needs to clean their shoes off before they come back into the church. Hmm. So Elisha said this, he said, bring meal or bring flour and put it in the pot. Only the pure word of God will ever keep the pot that we're feeding the world with sacred and pure. Come on. Hmm. So here's the parable Jesus spoke about us who live in these last days. He said, good and evil are growing at the same rate, at the same time, in the same place. So since they're growing at the same rate, at the same time, in the same place, as wickedness gets stronger, then the purity of the word is going to have to get stronger along with it. And unless the church is willing to watch and pray and seek God's word. Listen, I'm going to give you a word here. And listen, if this upsets you, Jody told me to say it. Okay? (laughs) If you are not in your word, I mean every single day, you are buying something, I guarantee you, You are buying something that doesn't belong in here. Because there is nothing coming in to keep the stability of the pot. Hmm. Here's the rule of the wheat. Hmm. I like this. Here's what the reapers looked for when they came into the field at harvest time. When the wind blew, the lower the wheat bowed from the weight of its fruit, right. the more pure it was. Right. But watch this. Darnell, the tares, the, the ryegrass, very small fruit. See, it looked the same, but in the wind, it just stood right up defiant as can be. I will not bow. I will not bow. Hmm. Go over to 2 uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, come on, I want to feel a breeze from the pages turning, 2 Corinthians, chapter number 6, or at least let me hear the click of the phones as you're going,
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> here's something interesting. They they did a, a research thing on people that had consumed the tears, the doornail. Before they died, here was the side effects. They sounded like they were speaking in another language. Wow. They started dancing uncontrollably. They began to act like they were drunk. Oh, it looks like the church. Hmm? It looks like it. How many ever thought you would see what you see in the world today? Not ever. Man, I'm almost as old as Kimberly. Wow. Well, like another seven years or something like that. But uh, we went from like light speed to things being bad to things being crazy. I mean, just absolutely insane. I'm gonna show you why here. In, in just a minute But have you ever did you ever think you would see what you're seeing in the world today no. Dutch sheets just posted before we came in. I don't know if you all saw it or not, but Ontario just voted That if you have a child that wants to be a different gender than they were born and you disagree, the government now has the right to take that child from you. They just passed it in Ontario. Yeah. And it will be here. Yeah. It'll be here. It, it will. Listen to what Paul said to the Corinthian church in Second in, uh, Corinthians 6, verse number 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers... For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Listen to this. Listen. Listen to the Message Bible. Don't become partners with those who reject God. You see, we were only at work and it was only a joke. You know, I don't say that around the kids. Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership with right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that's exactly what we are, each of us. We're the temple where God lives. God himself put it this way, I'll live in them, I'll be their God, they'll be my people. So leave the corruption and the compromise, leave it for good, says God. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters. And that's the word of the master who is God. Now watch this. Again, I want to say, have you ever, did you ever think you would see it this bad? Did you ever think in this beautiful United States, this Christian nation, we would see evil so strong? Now watch. Jesus said, I'm going to make my angels the reapers for a very important reason. Watch this. We've come to a point... Where We're losing the ability, I'll show you why here in just a second, but we're losing the ability to talk to people and say, you're in sin and you're going to hell. We just want to tell them how good Jesus is. Okay? Watch, watch. Jesus is going to use angels to do the reaping because angels is not moved by the family love that we have for our children and our neighbors and our co-workers. They're not moved by that. They're moved by the word of God and by the command of the Lord. Now watch. Why is evil so strong? Because Jesus said this, in the last days, I will send out the reapers and he'll start bundling them all together. I'll put them all gathered up they're going to think they're very strong. In fact, they're going to think they're so strong, they're even going to demand that the doctrine of the church change to satisfy them. Yeah. As the angels behind the scenes mm-hmm. gather them together and bundle them, and it looks for a season like they're stronger than we are. That's a good one. I always had this vision that the angels would come down like the flying monkeys in the Wizard of Oz and just snatch them up, you know? I tell my daughter the monkeys are coming, and you're going to be the first one that goes in and straighten up <laughs> hmm. I've told the blonde that several times, but she slapped me down. Hmm. Hmm. can 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 we go a little deeper? Can we go a little deeper? Can we do that? Go to zechariah chapter number three you you was you was uh, you was probably reading Zechariah this morning, weren't you? Yeah. Zechariah chapter number three. Just I want to show you something here. Here's why we've got to become totally, absolutely committed. We you singing the song about the Jesus freak. Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And here's why we got to be. Look at Zechariah 3 and verse number 8. Now listen, Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you, Jesus said this, he said, you are no longer my disciples, now you're my friends. Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you, indeed they are men who are a symbol. For behold, I'm going to bring in my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua on one stone or seven eyes or seven facets. And behold, I will engrave an inscription on it, declares the Lord, and I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. We know Jesus did that on the cross. But if you read in, um, um, if you read in, listen to this. Let me just, just give you this real quick. He's, he, called, he said the branch is coming. And he said on that one branch will be seven eyes or seven facets, okay? Listen to Isaiah chapter 11, verse number one. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse... That, that was the father of David. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. So that would be Jesus. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. We did this last time I was here, so I won't labor it. But, but here, here's the seven facets that would rest on Jesus on, on the day in the Jordan when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he'll delight in the fear of the Lord. That's the Holy Ghost that that we have, same Holy Spirit, okay? Now watch. Zechariah identifies the branch and says, he'll be the great cornerstone that has the seven facets. Now watch. Here's why the enemy is attempting to silence our generation more than any generation. Chapter 4, verse 1, listen. Listen. Then the angel who was speaking with me returned and roused me as a man who is awakened from his sleep, and he said to me, What do you see? Watch, 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 watch. I see and behold a lampstand, all of gold, with its bowl on top of it, and its seven lamps on its seven spouts, belonging to each of the lamps which are on the top of it, also two olive trees by it, One on the right and one on the left side. Now watch, two olive trees. Those olive trees would continuously flood oil into the lamps so they would never go out. Two olive trees, you got that? Now watch. Look at verse 11. Then I said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right of the lampstand and on the left? And I answered the second time and said to him, What are these two olive branches? And beside the two golden pipes, which empty the golden oil from themselves. And he answered me and said this, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. And then he said, Listen, 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 listen. These are the two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. The Hebrew says, These are the sons of fresh oil. The two sons of... Of fresh oil. Now watch, 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 watch. Go to Revelation chapter number eleven. It's in the New Testament. Revelation chapter eleven. God has appointed two priesthoods that is to never stop pouring the oil to feed light to the world, to the world. The first olive tree, well, let me, let me read it to you. Let me read it to you. Um, look at 11. Hmm, okay. The first olive tree is the priesthood of the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament tells us about sin and death. Paul said, I wouldn't have known what sin was had I not had the law. Okay? And then what did he say about the law? He said, the law was a tutor to lead me to Christ. So if we destroy the Old Testament priesthood, which, which God said in Exodus 40, that this should be an everlasting priesthood, if people don't need a Savior... Why do they need Jesus? We become a motivational sinner to make sinful people better at sin. So the destruction of the Old Testament priesthood will lead to the destruction of the New Testament priesthood. Now watch. Revelation 11. Are you with me here?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Then there was, verse 1, Then there was given me a measuring rod, like a staff, And someone said, get up and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it. Listen, 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 listen. Leave out the court which is outside the temple. Don't count them in. They'll trample that under the feet. Now look at this. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I go once in a while. I don't read the word. I really don't pray, not unless the car payment's late. Huh? Yeah. Now, I have sex with who I want to have sex with. Hmm? My mouth, I use any way I want to. But oh yeah, me and Jesus, we're tight. We're real tight. He said, yeah, the man upstairs. He don't live upstairs and he isn't a man. He said, the ones in that court, don't even measure them. Okay? Golly, I got so much and I'm going to cut it down here because I want to keep you all night. I watch. Look at verse 7. When they have finished their testimony, he's talking about the two witnesses. The beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is mystically called Sodom and Egypt, where also the Lord was crucified. And those from the people and the tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their bodies to be laid in the tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate, and they will send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth churches laughing and celebrating that we now perform gay marriages and we ordain gay people and we do anything we want. Praise the Lord God. We've killed them off. They no longer torment us. Watch. 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 I got to close this up. Hmm. No, John asked. Who these two witnesses were. And I'm just going to have to ball this up. Because I'll I'll be too long. And he said. These are the two olive trees. That flow oil. To the two lambs. That's the two witnesses. That's who the beast. Is trying to kill. Now listen. Number one. We know. That the beast will. Look like he prevails. It looks like he's prevailing right now. It really does. Yeah. Then we know when it looks like they're done, they're going to rise back up. And they're going to have great victory over the earth. But the destruction of the two priesthoods are coming by the destruction of the first priesthood in the beginning. Listen, if you're not in sin, if God don't care what you do, why you need jesus huh why you need jesus you don't need him you don't need to be born again we were talking about at lunch today i saw it years ago when people went up to the altar they stopped crying out about their heart and they started crying for car payments what are you seeking god for i need stuff man i need stuff i don't care if i'm holy i need stuff It's the message of the Old Testament, sin and death, going away. So here's the only question we have. Will the priesthood die off under our watch? Will we be the generation that allows the Old Testament priesthood and the New Testament priesthood to be destroyed by the beast. That is right now trying to destroy him. Because already we have lost the ability. To even tell our own children. You are lost. You're, right. you're going to hell. And you need Jesus. You go. Hmm. We're just trying to come. You just need to go to church. Life would be better for you. I'll tell you this Jack. I can stay up all night Saturday night. Life is pretty good. I don't need to go to church and mess with all that stuff. Somebody told Jody and I, that's your grandparents' religion. You bet it is. You bet it is. When was the last time you rose up and said to somebody, Here's why you need Jesus. Because you was born in sin, and you are a sinner. I love you, but you're a sinner, and you are going to an eternal hell. And I can point you to a man named Jesus. Because if we allow that to slip out of our grasp in our generation. He's dead. The beast has, and it is our generation, Pastor. It is our generation that hangs in the balance. Our generation. Lord God, give us the courage. Give us the strength, Lord God. Give us the determination, Lord if they listen, we came from a heritage of saints that was that would rather be hated than be useless.
0: Amen. Hmm? Oh my goodness.
1: Lord don't, oh, good us yes, Lord don't let us be useless. Lord don't let us be useless. Joe, do you have something here? Got a mic here, Pastor. Yes, I
0: do. That your leadership has a spirit of excellence on it. They, the Lord has. I look, and there's excellence everywhere. It's not saying it's a perfect church, but they have that spirit of excellence. They want to train you to be excellent before the Lord. And the reason they want to train you to be excellent before the Lord is this: I have kept this in my Bible for years, and it, it, we are going into the end times. And this is a joyous thing. It sounds it sounds almost sorrowful. It almost breaks your heart, and it almost puts fear. You listen to your leadership, and you will be ready for the end times. I don't know how many have heard of the authors, um, the French authors, France Ravenus and Martin Goulibart. Is that right? Looks good. Ma'am. And uh, they wrote. The instruction manual for Christians facing the threat of death. Their publishing office was their cell, jail sales during the French Revolution. They were both beheaded. Their words are too much to imagine for Christians in the free nation but are still followed today in the restricted areas. This is the instruction manual, and it grasps my heart every time I read it. And my sister and I were talking today about the ones that are getting ready to go in, and they're facing death if they take the gospel, and they're preparing for it. They're preparing to face death. And that's what we're all talking about, preparing to face death for the gospel. On hearing the death sentence, you will receive it as an invitation of the King of Glory who invited you to his wedding feast. When they finish reading your sentence, you will say, with many martyrs who have gone before you, thank God, and you will sing joyful songs. When they bind your hands, say the words of St. Paul I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die for the name of Jesus Christ. On the way to being shot, speak to the guards from scriptures about the delight of suffering and dying for Christ. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? When you encounter the executioner, remember the words of the great martyr Ignatius. When will the happy moment come when I will be slaughtered for my Lord? Remember to say a prayer for your persecutors. The Lord is preparing. The Lord's preparing the leadership to train the people to be prepared for this. It is the end times, and we're all going to face it. If we are Christians, we're going to face persecution. It doesn't say we might, it says we will face persecution. Listen to your leadership. Don't bring the dust and the dirt of the world in here. Make this a pure place. They have pure hearts, and their hearts are being cleaned, and they're training you to be clean and to be pure, to dance before the Lord with joy and to face persecution with joy because we will take many with us. Prepare.
1: Why Jody and I, and, and, and in fact Kimberly and Richard made the same decision, we're, we're all in the same group here, but why would we not attend a, a lesbian wedding? You know, it's being officiated by the church, why not do it? You know, why not do it? And I said this, I said, I can't go because if I went, I'd be condoning it, and I don't condone that. Right. I'm a Christian. Now, I want you to think about something. Now, of course, they question me, you know, what about this? What about this? What about this? In other words, drag some of my dirt back into your belief system. And if you drag enough of that dirt into your belief system, then you'll go to the wedding with me, you see? Hmm. But don't you know, Pastor, if I was a Muslim, think about this, they would say, well, of course he can't go. He's Muslim, and they don't do that. How much ground have we lost? Our answer has got to be I am a Christian. I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is my Master. Amen. Pastor, that's all I got.